We're in the series on the power of speaking, what the Bible calls confession, and what I would call uh, declaration. So depending on your translation, over in uh, Hebrews, you'll find like, hold fast to the confession of your faith. But the Greek word is actually homologio, which means to say the same thing, to come in agreement with, but it's not just saying like, I'm going to say the same thing as my wife, Melody. It is a declaration, and actually it is a solemn declaration. The best thing I can think of that would be like it is when you go into a court and you say, I'm going to swear to tell the whole truth, because that's a solemn thing that you're doing. And uh, you're saying, I am going to be bound to what I'm saying, right? You see, you know, we live in kind of a political town, you could say, maybe. And so um, there's a few politics that go on. And so they have these hearings all the time. Well, what do they want to do? What does the news media always want to do? Can we get you under oath? In other words, we want a solemn declaration. Why is that? Because that's enforceable by law. And so the devil wants to get you to make a solemn declaration of his thoughts and his ways and what you see because he has no power over you in Christ. But you get out from under the protection of God. You get out from under where you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's the seat of all authority because Christ has defeated all the power of the enemy, all the power of the devil. Not most of it, not some of it, not a little bit of it, all of it. So if you live your life seated with Christ in heavenly places, well, what does that mean? It's like, like, like Pastor, what are you saying? That, that doesn't make any sense because I'm seated in this room in a blue chair or online, whatever kind of color chair you're looking at or your couch or whatever. Well, think about it. Uh, the best illustration I have for that is if you've ever been to a wedding and you have seen the head table. I've been the best man in a couple weddings And so I had a seat at the head table. But you know what? As a best man, you have a lot of other duties uh, to help the groom and, you know, even help the bride. And so a lot of times I have a seat at the head table, but I'm actually among different things and different people doing a lot of work. But still, I'm seated up there. Because if somebody says to me while I'm standing and say it's, it's at the reception and I'm greeting people and talking with people, they said, where are you sitting at? I would say, I'm right up there. Right at the, you know, whatever side of the groom. I don't want to be right or left hand. Depends <laughs> on weddings now. You can do kind of whatever you want, right? But I'm seated at the head table. Well, that's where we are with Christ in heavenly places. But we got some business to do down here. We have some work to do down here. But if we try to do that from our position as a human, we will fail. And we'll be subject to all the powers that uh, are in the earth that, that give sway and give way. And the devil is the God of this world, this world system. But the devil is not the God of Jesus Christ or the body of Christ or the believer in Christ. He loses all of his power and all of his right and all of his authority in Christ. So, in other words, this is not about you and this is not about me. This is about Jesus. That's why Paul said, it's no longer I that live, but it is Christ that lives in me. But he didn't stop there. He said, this life that I live in the body. What does that mean? Well, that means you're going to have a life outside your body. 
This life that I live in the body, how does he live? I live by the faith of the Son of God. Sometimes it's easy to misquote and say faith in the Son of God. Literally, it actually says the faith of the Son of God. Sounds a lot like Jesus in Mark eleven twenty two when he said, have faith in God. The margin of your Bible will say, have the faith of God. One translation, my current favorite, says, lay hold on God's faithfulness. Well, what does that mean? What does to be faithful mean? Well, if I'm faithful spouse to my wife, that means my eyes aren't other places. That means my feet aren't other places. That means my thoughts aren't other places. But I am constantly faithful to her. Well, God, amen. You can dance if you want or run or whatever. Do a lap. But God is constantly faithful to us. And maybe if we realize that in our heart of hearts, we would say, woo, like my wife did, and do a little run or do a little dance because I, this may, this may be difficult for people to comprehend, I am not perfect, <laughs> but he is. Now, it's not difficult for me to comprehend. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. Well, I am not perfect. I'm not joking about that. Oh, boy. This is going to be a good message, isn't it? And so he is faithful. Faithful means you can count on them. You know where they're going to be. You know what they're going to be doing. You know the way they're going to be thinking. You know the way they're going to be acting. You don't have to wake up and wonder, does God love me today? You don't have to wake up and wonder, is God in a good mood today? You don't have to wake up and wonder, is God fed up with me today? I've had it up to here. No, because why? He's faithful. He's constant. He's steady. And Jesus said, lay hold on that. Lay hold on who God is and what God has done. That's called the faith of God. It almost seems like he's saying, don't have faith in yourself. Don't grab hold of and connect yourself to what you can do or even what you can believe. He said, have faith in God. Lay hold on God's faithfulness. In other words, are you always constant or are you always steady? Do you make no mistakes? Do you always trust God in everything all the time? Well, all you have to do is have faith in God and lay hold on his faithfulness because he never has one instant in time or eternity where he is not faith. And so the greatest thing we could ever realize, I think, is that it is all about Jesus and it is nothing about us. Praise the Lord. So we're talking about building the road. And one of our main scriptures there is Mark uh, eleven twenty-two 22 through 25. Jesus said, have faith in God. Lay hold on God's faithfulness. For whosoever, that means anybody, anywhere, 
will say unto this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things that he says will come to pass. He'll have whatever he says. That is predicated and based upon faith in God. It's based upon laying hold of who God is and what God is and what God has done, the very words of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So if you're going to lay hold on God, you're going to lay hold on his word. In other words, it doesn't matter the storm that comes. It doesn't matter the, the, the craziness that comes to your mind. If you can just grab hold of the word of God and stay connected to the word of God, it doesn't matter the storm. The word of God is hell-tested. The word of God is storm-tested. The word of God will never fail you and never let you down. Psalm 119 actually says, your word has been tested and tried and found to be true. And if you look up the Hebrew of that psalm, you actually see it's like taking gold into a refiner's fire and testing it and trying it and removing all impurities. And the psalmist, inspired by the Spirit of God, said, the word of God has been tested and tried, and there were no impurities found in the word. And in the same psalm, he actually said, there is no end to the perfection of your word. And when you look that up, you see it actually means you can go as far as to the east as you want, and you can go to the far as, to, as far to the west as you want. You cannot come to the end of the perfection of the word of God cannot be done. Like in Isaiah, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions. I will not remember your sins. They're cast as far as the east is from the west. You can't go east and reach west. There is no end to the perfection of the word of God. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. So when we talk about speaking to the mountain, really there's uh, two Greek words for say there in Mark eleven twenty three. 23. One is the Greek word epo, and that's the first and the last say. And the middle one is the Greek word uh, lagos. And the Greek word epo means actually to speak a command. But you don't have to know Greek to know that because you can read that verse and say, okay, Jesus is saying we're supposed to tell this mountain to do something. Well, that is giving it a command. If I tell my children to do something, I am giving them a command. If I ask them to do something, I am not giving them a command. I am asking them. He did not say, ask your mountain to move. He did not say, cozy up with your mountain and invoke your best leadership skills to make the mountain think it was its idea. He said to command the mountain. You tell that mountain what to do. You epo it. You have to epo the mountain. 
Luke chapter 4, verse 3. The devil, this is the devil speaking. You ever read that? I never said that before. That's kind of funny. (laughs) If you are the son of God, Jesus in the desert being tempted. (laughs) It's kind of funny. I never thought about quoting the devil before. Anyhow, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Do you know what that actually says? If you are the son of God, epo this stone to become bread. The same say that Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three. 23, say to this mountain, epo this mountain. If you want to get rid of the mountain, you epo it. If you want this stone to become bread, you epo it. Well, how do you say? You say like, well, the devil is a liar. So how do you know that that's true? Because Jesus was tempted. It's not a temptation if he couldn't have actually done it. Actually, this is the first temptation of Jesus Christ, and it is actually the temptation to perform the supernatural apart from the leading of the Spirit of God. So we do have some authority, but Jesus himself, he said, I'm an example for you to follow. He never did anything that he didn't see the Father do, and he never said anything that he didn't see the Father do. That's an awesome testimony even for Jesus. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm having fun. Okay, Amplified Translation said, same verse, Luke 4, 3. Then the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, order this stone to turn into a loaf of bread. Weymouth Translation. Then the devil said to him, if you are God's son, he's questioning his identity. And he's trying to get him to act based on the devil's words, not God's words. And he's questioning his identity. Have you ever had your identity questioned? If you really loved God, if you really were born again, if you really were a believer. Weymouth says, then the devil said to him, if you are God's son, Tell this stone to become bread. So here we're commanding it, we're ordering it, we're telling it. Young's literal translation says, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, is my favorite, speak to this stone that it become bread. If you are the son of God, epo this stone, speak to this stone that it become bread. Wow, that's amazing. Jesus ministered as a man, a human mankind, anointed by the Holy Ghost. And he had the ability to speak to a stone and tell it to become bread. He had the ability to speak and cause changes in what is seen. Verse 6, I think, of the, of the same passage. I didn't put the, the full reference there. It says, because it is God who said out of darkness, light is to shine. It is God who epoed out of darkness, light shine. In other words, he saw darkness. God saw darkness, you remember, in the beginning, and he epoed it. He said, light shine. So what I'm trying to really create and let, help you to see is the distinction between just saying something, just mouthing words, 
and your declaration and what you're doing. And you see it, of course, in the life of Christ. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. So who are we to say something different than what the word of God says? The greatest thing is faith in God, and the greatest thing is trusting him with all that you are and all that you have. Sometimes we work ourselves up, and we try to, we, we, we inadvertently, it's not on purpose, I don't think, for most people, we, we kind of like become the performer and the believer. So we have to believe it, and we have to perform it. We have to believe it, and we have to cause it to come to pass. Now, I heard something this week, and I've got, I have to share it with you because it was so amazing, and um, I was praying it would come back to me because that's what happened at the, at the beginning here. That that's why I was quiet. So there was a time. You guys know Kenneth Copeland? So there was a time in the ministry where he was having a, a rough time. Uh, he was... Uh, you know, having difficult times at home and I think even in his body. And he's just like really battling this out. And his wife, come here, Melody. His wife came up behind him. No, I'm gonna do it. I'll be the woman. (laughs) She came up behind him and put her hands on his shoulders and said, I find no fault in you. And it broke him. It released him. Because sometimes we're not even conscious of what we're doing, but we are trying to be the performer. When Jesus said, I find no fault in you. We're trying to identify with what we do, with how we think, with how we spend our time. But God wants us to identify with who we are in Christ. Do you know why? You're not all that much in yourself. But God can do something with a person that is in Christ. Because in Christ, you now have access to the most intimate place in God. You have access to all of the blessings of God. Everything that God had planned, designed from the foundation before the foundation of the earth. He had planned good plans for mankind. He had fellowship plans. He wanted to be close. He wanted to share with us. He wanted to walk with us and talk with us. And that stinking devil came and deceived mankind and messed it all up. But God, the cry of his heart always was to bring us close and to bring us near. So when he looks at you, he would say to you, if you have accepted Jesus Christ, I find no fault in you. I don't care what comes to your mind when I say that what action that you have done or that you have not done. God says, I find no fault in you. And then to the lost, he says, 
I've already fixed all of the problems, and I've already made it so that there's no fault in you when you are in Christ. All you have to do is get to Jesus. How do I get to Jesus? I better stop doing what I'm doing. No. You come the way you are because it's all based on what he has done, and it's not based on what you have done at all. In fact, if it is based on what you have done, you cannot come to Christ. Impossible. You cannot get to Christ based on you. Well, if Christ is the anointed one and his anointing, and if Christ is the very word of God, and if God is his word and you can get to Christ, what does that mean about sickness that is attacking your body? What does that mean about mental distress or depression that comes against your mind? What does that mean about financial lack? If you can contact and connect with Christ, it doesn't stand a chance. It's already been defeated. It's already been decimated. It has no power in Christ. So that's why when we speak and we declare, we declare who we are in Christ and what we have in Christ. And you may say, I am the, you may look at the scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.21, if any man, be, uh, excuse me, 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I love that. In the King James, it says, behold, all things have become new. It doesn't say, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have become new. He actually tells us to look and behold and see it. So what does that mean? Well, you may have like a habit that you used to have before you were born again, and you're like, yeah, but I'm still doing that. I still have that same habit. What did I just say? <laughs> if we're talking just one-on-one. Well, I still have that habit, Pastor. I don't know. I, I just still have that habit. What did you just say? Well, I still, I'm still doing the same thing. Like, I keep doing the same thing. No matter how hard I try, I keep doing the same thing. What are you declaring? What are you connecting with? Because if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What does that mean? Well, if you have some habit that is not biblical and you find yourself doing that, well, then what do you have to do? You have to start believing. Um, you have to start declaring with your voice of faith. In the very face of that, I am a new creature. Old things have passed away. This is an old thing. Sin no longer dominates me. Bad habits no longer dominate me. I am a child of God. But you have to declare it. And you have to declare it with your voice of faith, which is a voice of victory. Confession, your declaration, builds the road over which faith carries its mighty cargo, E.W. Kenyon said. And I, I don't know if I could say it any better. Confession builds the road over which faith carries its mighty cargo. But your voice of faith will find its place in him. Like, in other words, um, oh, let me say something that's not true. Uh, I'm going to tell a lie in church. That's amazing. Um, I'm going to go buy a Christmas tree today. 
I'm going to go buy a Christmas tree today. Or you could declare, like, what are you doing after church? I'm going to buy a Christmas tree. Now, how would I declare that? Well, how I would declare it is if my wife and I had had a few discussions, and I really felt like we should buy the Christmas tree today. She's like, no, let's not buy the Christmas tree. Let's not buy the Christmas tree today. And she's there, or you ask me after I've been in this conversation with her, I am going to declare, what are you doing today? We are going to buy a Christmas tree today. You know, when you laugh, you can receive strong stuff easier. (laughs) And so that's how you have to do the devil. That's how you have to do uh, your own thoughts that that can just like be so uh, abundant and so many. You have to just declare it because you got these thoughts that come. They keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Every time, okay, I'm going to declare the word. By his stripes, I am healed. Well, yeah, but you don't feel any better. But you don't look any better. You're actually getting worse. Oh, that is the wrong response. If you're silent or you just moan, you lose by default. You have to declare a thing. Your voice finds its place of faith in him. In other words, you say, how do I make that declaration? The money will come. How can you say that with such assurance and such authority? Why does it sound like that in my voice? Because I believe God. But, you know, you could talk to me, uh, and we could find some things that I'm not as stirred up on faith in God right at the moment, and it wouldn't have quite the boldness. But you know how it'd have the boldness? It's like I said last week when I was attacked by the devil in my body. I just had to find, I had to find the words that were alive to me. I am not under the authority of the dominion of the kingdom of darkness. I am under the authority of the dominion of the kingdom of the son of God, of the son of his love. Why can I say it like that? Do you hear doubt in my voice? There is no doubt in my voice. There is no doubt there. Now, if I tried hard, I could maybe try to find doubt in my head, but it is so small in comparison to my faith that's in my heart. How did I get that there? How can I speak like that? Because it comes from the word of God revealed by his spirit. In other words, Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema of God. Faith comes by hearing God speak to you. How can they believe if someone first doesn't preach and tell them? How could you believe? For years, I didn't understand that healing was part of the redemptive package. So you know what? I, you know, I would maybe pray, uh, oh, Lord, heal me if it's your will. But I didn't know, well, this is his will, and it's pretty clear here that, that it is his will. You know, I love the fact that Jesus came to do the will of the Father, and that's all he did. And he went about teaching, preaching, and healing. So even that, you can say like, whoa, even without, by his straps I'm healed. He took my infirmities, sicknesses and infirmities. And so you can speak a lot of things, and you can say a lot of things, but as soon as you speak with the voice of faith, you've just connected, and if you hold fast to that confession, you will have whatever you say. 
your voice of faith has to be connected to him. If you try to take your voice of faith and connect it to yourself, connect it to your accomplishments, what you can do, that is not the voice of faith. That is the voice of selfish pride. That is the voice of self-righteousness. And that voice will not give you access to the things of God. Remember the publican and the Pharisee? Oh, God, I thank you that you hear me because I, you give, you know, particularly a tenth of everything. But what did uh, the publican say? Oh, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Well, how does that apply to us? Because if you're born again, you're not a sinner, you're a saint. You may sometimes sin, but you're a saint. You know how it applies? He came to God by the mercy of God. In other words, by based on what God did for him that he couldn't do for himself. And so if you don't come that way, if I don't come that way to God, I am locked out. Even though Jesus paid the price for me to come in, because I don't go, get into the presence of God based on me. I get into the presence of God based on Jesus. And it is the most freeing message that you probably could almost ever know. That it's nothing based on you except for the fact that God looked at you and he saw you when you were a mess up, when you were doing the worst things that you can possibly ever remember that you ever did. And at that moment, according to Romans, that's when he poured his love upon you. He looked in your direction and he said, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. When we were the furthest away from him, he paid the price to bring us the closest to him. That's nothing to do with you, what you have done to make it happen. That's nothing to do with me, what I have done to make it happen. That's all to do with Jesus, what he has done to make it happen and who he is. He has brought us near. We are brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. The voice of faith builds the road over which faith carries, brings in, and ushers its mighty cargo into your life and into your situation. It is a voice of faith. When your voice penetrates the veil, the power of God can come in like a floodlight. Jesus said, it is, the, or excuse me, in Hebrews, it said, uh, beyond the veil, which is to say your flesh. So how do you get beyond acting based on the desires of your flesh, the wants of your flesh, your voice of faith. You speak what you believe, and then your whole being comes in line with that. And so Jesus said, have faith in God, lay hold on the faithfulness of God. Whoever says, whoever echoes the mountain in your life, doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he echoes will come to pass, excuse me, that he says will come to pass. In other words, that is actually uh, logos, and it is a set systematic discourse. It means whatever you keep saying. So keep saying your epo, your declaration, your command of faith. Keep speaking with your voice of faith. I am who God says I am. I have what God says I have. I am the healed of the Lord. Laugh at the devil. Brother Higgins said, I have found this to be true. When I boldly confess, then and then only do I possess. Smith Wigglesworth, Smith Wigglesworth said, 
No man can doubt if he will learn to shout. (laughs) Do you know what I did in my room two weeks ago when that thing came on me? I found the verse. I asked the Lord, you got to give me something because every word I'm speaking feels dead. You got to give me, I know I got to speak your word. I'm not sure which one, but I need to speak your word because I know it overpowers. So then, that's when I got that. I am not under the dominion of the kingdom of darkness. And I began to say it. And every time I said it, I said it with more boldness until I was shouting. My kids were asleep, but I woke them up. (laughs) My daughter was like, Daddy, what was happening in there? I said, I was getting free from the power of the devil. But it came with a shout. There's something about your bold declaration, and there's something about shouting that makes the walls come down. It might not make sense to your head. You might have walked around this problem for seven days, seven weeks, seven months, or seven years. But there's something about shouting based on what God said that will cause every wall and every bondage that the enemy has built and has used your own lips and your own mouth to build, the shout of faith will make the wall come down. The devil might have spent a lifetime, a human lifetime, trying to build a bondage for you, but he can't build a bondage that Jesus hasn't already conquered. He can't build a bondage that you believing God and speaking what you believe boldly won't destroy. One of my favorite translations, A.S. Wuerl, uh, uh, anyhow, a guy that knew a lot of Greek and Hebrew, was number one Greek scholar, said A.S. Wuerl was the most accurate to the Greek translation of any current translation at his time. He's gone on to heaven now. The guy's name was P.C. Nelson. A.S. Wuerl's translation of Matthew 18, 19, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's talking about the power of your words. Do you know what his translation actually says? Because he used to study the original Greek. He says the closest, closest thing to it. It actually says, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Do you know what that means to me? That means the second that I declare what I believe, it was already accomplished before the foundation of the world for me, and it becomes vital, touchable, tangible to me. It's already done, but I have to speak it. Once I speak it, it's been done for me. That's a lot like being born again. (laughs) If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, what does that mean? Well, 2 Corinthians actually tells us we've, our mes- message to people is that you're right with God. God's already made you right with him. But how does that actually affect them so they feel a two-ton weight go off their shoulders? If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. We have that same spirit of faith. I have believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Your mouth is... Your mouth filled with your voice of faith is your ticket to freedom, is your ticket to blessing, is your ticket to what God has done and who God is and who he has made you to be. Stand with me if you would. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you.
that you have given us your word and you have told us to declare it, to confess it, to agree with it. Father, we thank you that today we are what you say we are and we have what you say we have. In Jesus' name, I want you to, with a voice of faith, uh, see that you can believe this in your heart and then declare it over yourself after me and we'll do it together. I am a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Look, everything's brand new. I am not under the power of the devil. I am a new person in Christ. I am free in him. He has given me his life. I live from his life. He has given me his spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me, makes this body to be alive. Sickness has no power over me because Jesus has lifted it off of me. He took my sickness, he took my diseases, and he lifted them off. I am not under the curse. Jesus became a curse and gave me the blessing. I am not under the curse. Every sickness and disease is part of the curse, and I am not under the curse. Therefore, I am now healed. I am now whole. Every symptom in my body has to leave, has to change. My body, body, you line up with the Word of God. And the Word of God declares, I am healed. I am whole, every part of my body, from the top to the bottom, from the inside to the outside. I walk in the life and health of God. Sickness and disease do not dominate me. Satan, you have no place in my mind. I do not give you place. I resist you in the name of Jesus. You will not dominate me. You will not dominate my thoughts. I am a child of God. I listen to him. I follow him. I give him place in my life. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is Lord over my body. Jesus is Lord over my mind. Jesus is Lord over my finances. Jesus 
Jesus is my Lord. You are not my Lord, devil. You lost me. Jesus is my Lord. His spirit lives inside of me. And I know the voice of his spirit. I know him. He leads me. He guides me. He directs me. And I follow him. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Oh, Father, we bless you. We magnify you. You're good and your mercy endures forever. Your mercies are new every morning. Thank you for giving us your words that we can create a road that we can live in what Jesus paid for and of what Jesus paid for. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.